0: chapter six of her benny by silas hawking this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lorraine paquette chapter six in which benny makes a discovery all unseen the master walketh by the toiling servant's side comfortable words he speaketh while his hands uphold and guide christmas day this year came upon a wednesday and during the two days preceding it benny did what he characterized as a roaring business there were so many people leaving and arriving by all the ferry-boats and at all the stations that our hero was kept on the trot nearly all the time his frank open face seemed to most people who had a bag or bundle to carry a sufficient guarantee of his honesty and they hoisted their bag upon the little fellow's shoulder without any fear that he would attempt to pry into its contents or make off with it round some sharp corner for a time the match business was turned over entirely to nelly's management and though the modest little girl never pushed her wares she was too shy for that yet benny declared she did stunnin many a gentleman catching just a glimpse of the pale sweet face as he hurried past would turn to have another look at the child and without taking any of her foosies would put a penny and sometimes more into the little thin hand and nelly would curtsy her thanks unable to utter a word benny declared he liked christmas time mazin and well and wondered why folks didn't have christmas a sight oftener than once a year how it was that coppers were so much more plentiful at this time of the year than at any other time was to him a mystery poor little fellow The thought never seemed to enter into his small head that it might be that people's hearts were more open at this festive season than at some other times. However, Benny was not one that speculated long on such questions. He only wished that people were always as ready to have their bags carried, and always gave their pence as ungrudgingly. Once or twice he felt a bit sad, and brushed away a hasty tear, when he saw boys no bigger than himself, wrapped up in great warm overcoats, and beautiful little girls with fur-trimmed jackets and high-heeled dainty boots, clasped in the arms of their parents, as soon as they stepped from the ferry, and then hurried away to a cab or to a carriage-in-waiting, and then thought of his own cheerless life. "'I specs they's mighty appy,' he said reflexively, and then walked away to the other end of the stage, where he thought he saw the chance of employment." On Christmas eve benny took his sister through st john's market and highly delighted they were with what they saw the thousands of geese turkeys and pheasants the loads of vegetables the heaps of oranges and apples the pyramids of every other conceivable kind of fruit the stalls of sweetmeats the tons of toffee and the crowds of well-dressed people all bent upon buying something were sources of infinite pleasure to the children There was only one drawback to their happiness and that was they did not know how to lay out the sixpence they had brought with them to spend if there had been less variety there would have been less difficulty but as it was benny felt as if he would never be able to decide what to buy however they agreed at last to lay out two pence in two slices of bread and ham for they were both rather hungry and then they spent the other fourpence in apples oranges and toffee and on the whole felt very well satisfied with the result of their outlay it was rather later than usual when they got home but old betty knew where they had gone and as it was christmas eve she had got a bigger fire than usual and had also got them a cup of hot cocoa each and some bun loaf to eat with it by golly said benny as he munched the cake i do wish folks had half christmas every week you are a curious boy said the old woman looking up with a smile on her wrinkled face is i granny i specs it's in my blood as the chap said of his timber leg the old woman had told them on the first evening of their arrival when they seemed at a loss what name to give her to call her granny and no name could have been more appropriate or have come more readily to the children's lips but could folks have christmas any oftener if they wished to asked little Nell. In course they could, Nell, burst out Benny. You do na seem to know what folks make Christmas for. And I thinks as you do know either, Benny. Don't I, though, he said, putting on an air of importance. It's made to give folks the chance of doing a lot of feeding. Didn't you see all the gooses and other nice things in the market that folks is going to polish off tomorrow? I do na think it was made purpose for that. "'Were it now granny thus appealed to the old woman who had listened with an amused smile on her face answered no my child it's called christmas cause it is the birthday of christ who's he said benny looking up while nelly's eyes echoed the inquiry don't you know ain't you never heerd said the old woman in a tone of surprise nay said benny nothing sense. Some of the chaps says, by Christ, as I says, by golly, but I never knowed he was somebody. Poor little dears, I didn't know as how you was so ignorant, or I should have told you before. And the old woman looked as if she did not know where or how to begin to tell the children the wonderful story, and for a considerable time remained silent. At length she said, I'll read it to ye out of the book maybe you'll understand it better that way, nor any way else. And taking down from a shelf her big and much-worn Bible, she opened it at the second of St. Matthew, and began to read in a tremulous voice. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him and slowly the old woman read on until she reached the end of the chapter while the children listened with wide open and wondering eyes to nelly the words seemed to come like a revelation responding to the deepest feeling of her nature and awakening thoughts within her that were too big for utterance benny however on the contrary could see nothing particularly interesting in the narrative itself but the art of reading was to him a mystery past all comprehension how granny could see that story upon the page of her bible was altogether beyond his grasp at length after scratching his head vigorously for some time he burst out by jabbers I's got it at last jimmy jones squeeze me if i ain't it's the specs that does it does what said nelly "'Why, the story business, to be sure. "'Let me look at the book through your specs. "'Shall I, Granny?' "'Aye, if you like, Benny.' "'And the next minute he was looking at the Bible "'with Granny's spectacles astride his nose, "'and an expression of disappointment upon his face. "'Golly, I sold!' was his exclamation. "'But this are a poser, and no mistake.' "'What such a poser?' said Granny. Why, how you find the story in the book, for I can see naught. And Benny looked as disappointed as if he had earned nothing for a week. By much explaining, however, Granny enabled him to comprehend in some vague way how the mystery was accomplished, and then arose within the heart of the lad an unutterable longing to understand this mysterious art fully, and be able to read for himself. A longing that grew in intensity as evening after evening he tried by granny's help to master the alphabet in fact it became a passion with him and many an hour in the weeks and months that followed he spent gazing at the placards on the walls and in trying to explain to the other arabs who gathered around him the meaning of the mysterious characters benny was naturally a sharp lad and hence though his opportunities were few, his progress was by no means slow. Sometimes he startled Joe Rag by spelling out a long word he had carried in his head the whole of the day and asking its meaning. Long words had a special fascination for him, and the way he brought them out in all sorts of connections was truly amusing. Nelly manifested no desire to learn to read. If ever she thought about it, it was only to regard it as something infinitely beyond her capabilities, and she seemed content to remain as she was. But if she could get Granny to read to her a chapter out of St. John's Gospel, she seemed to desire no higher pleasure. She would sit with a dreamy faraway look in her half-closed eyes, and the smiles that old Joe Ragg loved to see would come and go upon her face like patches of spring sunshine chasing each other across a plain. She never said very much, but perhaps she thought all the more. To honest Joe Rag, she seemed as if ripening for a fairer country and for a purer and nobler life. Not that she ailed anything. True, she had a little hacking cough now and then, and when she lay asleep a pink spot would glow on either cheek, but nothing more than that. Spiritual things, mused Joe Rag one night, as he sat in the door of his hut looking into the fire, are spiritually discerned, and I believe that child as real spiritual discernment. She looks a mighty sight deeper than we think she do, that's my opinion. I should like to get hold of all that passes through her purty little noodle, the little angel, bless her. As for the boy, he's a little hanimal. I reckon the passions would call him a materialist, i don't believe e believes nothing but what e sees no spiritual insight in im not a bit perhaps he's like me don't belong to the elect ah oh, me i wonder what the likes of us was born for and joe went out and heaped more fuel on the fire by way of diverting his thoughts from a subject that was always painful to him but when he came back and sat down again and the fire before him blazed up with a fiercer glow, the thoughts returned and would not be driven away. "'Bless her,' he said, "'she sees in the fire only woods and meadows and mountains and streams, and I only see the yawning caverns of hell. And to think I must burn in a fire a thousand times bigger and hotter than that for ever and ever, without a single moment's ease, scorching on every side, standing up or lying down, always burnin'. No water, no light, no mercy, no hope. And when a million, million years are past, still burnin', and no nearer the end than at the beginning. Oh, how shall I bear it? How shall I bear it? And big drops of perspiration oozed from his forehead, and rolled down his face, testifying to the anguish of his soul. I cannot understand it, I cannot understand it, he went on, all this pain and suffering for his glory. What kind of glory can it be to bring folks into the world doomed aforehand to eternal misery, to give em no chance of repentance, and then damn them forever because they don't repent? Oh, Lord of mercy, excuse me, but I canna see no justice in it anywhere. And once more Joe got up and began to pace up and down in front of the fire, but the thoughts would not leave him whom he did foreknow, he went on, them also he did predestinate. Mighty queer that a father should love a part of his family and hate the rest. Create em only to burn em for ever and ever. And what's the use of the burnin'? That bangs me complete. If'n it was to burn away the dross and leave the metal, I could understand it. I think sometimes there's just a bit of the right stuff in me, and if ell would burn up the bad and leave the good and give it a chance of summit better there'd be more justice in it seems to me but what am i a sayin it shows us how i'm none of the elect to be talkin to myself in this way what a wicked old sinner i be and once more joe sat down with a jerk as if he meant to say i'm not going to be bothered with such thoughts any more to-night but alas he found that thoughts would come whether he would or not. Perhaps, he said, we don't know nought about it, none of us. Maybe God is more mercifuler than we think, and I'm sadly banged about that making an end of sin. I don't see as how he can make an end of sin without making an end of the sinner, and whilst there's millions such as me in hell, there'll be no end to neither on him. I'm sadly out in my reckoning somewheres, but peers to me, if there was no sinners, there'd be no sin, and the way to rid the universe of sinners is to get em all saved or kill em outright. Much more to the same effect Joe Rag turned over in his mind that night, but we must not weary the reader with his speculations. Like many other of God's children, he was crying in the darkness and longing for light. He had found that human creeds, instead of being a ladder leading up into the temple of truth, were rather a house of bondage. Man had spread a veil before the face of God, and he had not courage to pull it aside. Now and then, through the rents, he caught a ray of light, but it dazzled him, so that he was afraid there was something wrong about it, and he turned away his face and looked again into the darkness. And yet the night was surely passing away, it wanted but a hand to take down the shutters from the windows of his soul and let the light aye and the love of god that surrounded him like a mighty ocean rush in but whose hand should take down the shutters through what agency should the light come in let us wait and see End of chapter six